this morning our first reading is Exodus 20 from verse 8 onwards. This is the Word of God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And jumping forward to Hebrews 4, we're reading the first 11 verses together. The writer of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh, seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Just so lovely to see these guys going out and to know that they are thinking about the same things that we're thinking about uh, together here uh, this morning. We're thinking about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath. Sabbath is a, is a word that uh, some people uh, think probably has pretty negative associations with it. Maybe has, has the idea of, of uh, restrictive rules, things you, you can't do, and so on. But what I want us to see uh, this morning is that this fourth commandment that God has given us is, is a wonderful gift. And uh, like those rescued slaves who first heard this, we will, we will say, what a wonderful thing God has, has done for us. 
It's very much the tone that we're trying to set with these uh, commandments, to, to note that they are kindnesses to us, uh, not just because we need rules from, uh, to stop us from going wrong, uh, although we do. And that, that's really one of the reasons why uh, the commandments are, are, are largely expressed negatively. That is the, if you think of it, that is the appropriate way that a holy God uh, would speak to sinful people who tend to break His commands. You, you, you shall not do this. But, but it's not just that. It, it is also that, that these are a reflection of God's character. And, and therefore, we, we know that we can't do any better than God Himself, and therefore we can't do any better than His character. And, and so, these things that, that take us closer to, to what God is like are a good thing. And that's true for Sabbath, just as much as it's true for not lying or stealing. Well, three simple things to, think, to see this morning. It is, we want to say that the, the Sabbath is a picture for our future or for our futures. The Sabbath is a pattern for our lives, and the Sabbath is a privilege for God's people. So, a little bit of sort of a, the, the framework before we get to some of the more practical things. The Sabbath is a picture, first of all, of our futures. I don't know what you uh, would commonly say whenever you think about what lies ahead of us in terms of leaving this world and going into the next. We, we uh, lost two huge figures in the Christian world this week. A man called Harry Reader was a pastor. He was uh, killed in a car accident this week in, in America. Very influential in the rise of American Presbyterianism, very influential in Reformed Theological Seminary where uh, John is studying. And then as, as Jordan referenced as he prayed, we also lost Tim Keller this week uh, after a battle with pancreatic cancer. And Tim Keller uh, shaped a generation through his preaching and writing. Now, now how do we speak about heaven whenever we think about the saints leaving this world and going there. Sometimes we might talk about them entering glory. Sometimes we might speak of them uh, going to the reward. Those are all appropriate biblical phrases. But we could also speak about them entering their rest. That's very much one of the, the pictures of the Bible. It's, it's the language of Hebrews, isn't it, that we read earlier on. The, the, the picture of Sabbath rest in Hebrews is used as a, a metaphor for salvation. Those who are saved have been said to have entered God's rest, and those who are resisting the gospel are, are, are outside of that rest. Now, we understand that picture. It really sort of resonates with us because we know that before we are Christians, we're, we're not at rest we know that there's a restlessness about us. We, we find no peace. We're striving. Maybe we're, we're striving to be accepted on the basis of our own efforts. That's part of the picture of Hebrews. Maybe we're running from God altogether, but we're not at rest. So, so salvation is a, 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 sometimes described as rest, but there's also a, a future aspect to it. There's a fullness to it, so we can be said to have entered God's rest whenever we are saved, but then we look forward to filling, fully entering God's rest when we will be with Christ and we will rest with Him. And, and of course, in the, the, the Bible, uh, rest is not just about 
sort of sitting on the sofa, as it were, and doing nothing. It's about enjoying what has been achieved. And the Sabbath is a picture of that rest. You think about the structure of creation. God works for six days. He makes the earth. He fills the earth. And then He rests. And each time, as those days are described in Genesis, it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day, and so on. And then we get to the seventh day, to the Sabbath, and there's no such description, evening and morning. And the implication you see from the writer of, of Genesis is that this is an everlasting day. It's an eternal day. This is the day when everything is complete, and Adam and Eve get to enjoy God and to enjoy all that God has provided for them. So, so it's the very point of God's work. God is moving from work to rest and bringing His people into rest. Now, we are not in that eternal day yet. We know that. It lies ahead of us. God will bring that whenever the new heavens and the new earth come. And, and yet, we should see this, that there is a pattern of work to rest that God has built into His story with us, our story with Him. And Sabbath, each Lord's Day, is looking forward to that time. It was true for Adam and Eve before the fall, and it continues after the fall to our day. Now, we know that we live in a fallen world. Remember in Genesis, God tells Adam that the ground is cursed, that he will work by the sweat of his brow, and he will fight with the thorns and the thistles. Some of you have been fighting with the thorns and the thistles this week as you've been working, and, and there's that sense in which you always feel as if you're, you're pushing something against a sort of a, a pressure. It's really hard to get stuff done, and the thorns and thistles rise up and sort of choke what you're trying to do. And yet there is a, a day when we will get to rest from our labor. We will leave the, the, the thorns and the thistles aside, and we will rest and enjoy the Lord. We will draw near to Him. And we'll do that with our brothers and sisters, and, 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 and we will be saying uh, together, this is great, we're, we're with Him, and that will be our eternal rest. There'll be no thorns or thistles there. And we will rest and worship, and it will be great. And there's a day given to us every week that anticipates that day, you see, that never-ending day. And so, on this day, this Sunday, our aim is to remind ourselves partly of that never-ending day, that never-ending rest. So, so part of what we, we, we try to do as we think about uh, what we are doing whenever we're coming together is that we will leave us as God's people at the end of the day saying something like this, oh, wasn't it good to worship the Lord today? Wasn't it great to see Him more clearly? Wasn't it great to to come into church after, after a, a tough week, perhaps, and, and to sense his, his smile and His welcome and His acceptance again. And wasn't it great, to some extent, to turn from this fallen world with all of its challenges? Wasn't it great to do that with my, with my brothers and sisters? We, we, we aim to, to have us feel that at the end of a Sunday, whenever we sort of think, well, this has been a great day, but it's back to porridge tomorrow. It's back to the thorns and thistles tomorrow, you see. But one day, 
There won't be any more thorns or thistles. One day, that will be all that there is. Isn't it been great? Wasn't What a great time just to spend time getting to know God better with my brothers and sisters and not having to worry about the thorns and the thistles. That's, that's what's ahead of us. And the thing is, you see, hopefully we can face this week that's ahead of us knowing that that future rest is ahead of us. And every Lord's Day, we try to remind ourselves that that's where we're going. So, you see how the, the Sabbath is given to us as a picture of our futures to remind ourselves, look, let's keep our eye on the goal here. Let's think about where we're going. We're passing through. We're going to be with Christ, which is very far better. There'll be no thorns or thistles there. The Sabbath is a picture of our futures. Okay, second thing is, the Sabbath is a, a pattern for our lives. God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. There's this principle of six days' work and one day of rest that God says we are to observe. Now, maybe at this point we need to deal with a, a fairly big discussion that there is amongst Christians today, and that is, is the Sabbath relevant for today? Is it, is it binding today? A number of Christians argue that, that even though the other uh, commandments are binding, and we've seen that some Christians argue that no commandments are binding, but, but uh, most Christians, I think, at least say that most of the commandments are binding, and some say that, that only nine are binding, that, that this Sabbath commandment is not. They, they argue that Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath. There's some really good people that argue this, and, and that it's no longer relevant today. And you'll sometimes hear people say, but, you know, every day is now the Lord's day. Now, in some ways, that's a pretty recent view, and although it's attractive perhaps, and convenient even, in terms of what our society thinks of Sunday, it's not been the view of the church largely down through the ages. It's not our view here. And the key issue, you see, is, is what the Sabbath is based on, what this commandment is based on. So, so, so let, let, let's look at it. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in, and here's the reason, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, you see, the, the reason for the commandment is given in verse 11, and what it draws attention to is the pattern of God in creation. We might say the character of God and the work of God in creation. He works, and then He rests. And what does He do on that day of rest? Well, the implication is that He's enjoying His creation. He's enjoying what He has made. And that's repeated, of course, in Genesis 2 and 3, uh, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. So, there's a distinction built into the very days of the week, and the, that distinction is built in in creation. And that's actually hinted at in the commandment because it says, remember the Sabbath day. It's not saying, here's a new thing for you, a Sabbath day. It's saying, remember the Sabbath day. This is built into the very fabric of the way the world is. And of course, there are 
examples uh, of, of uh, when we ignore uh, this one day in seven principle, we, we find ourselves coming a cropper sometimes, don't we? We find ourselves becoming less productive rather than more. You might know that, for example, after the French Revolution, the authorities then were uh, keen to uh, put as much distance between this new society that they were building and the old religious uh, oppression that they saw uh, through the, the, the church and so on. And so one of the, th the things that they thought they could do is fully decimalize our lives. Uh, some of us are still going back to 1971 and think there's been a disaster, but never mind. Uh, uh, fully decimalize our lives by, by effectively instigating a 10-day week with one day off in 10. And uh, it didn't work. It, it, it was quickly forgotten because it was a disaster. We, we, we work well with this seven-day system. It's almost as if God is saying, I've, I've just woven this into the DNA of my creation, and, and you're not going to be able to escape from this. Now, of course, the other thing we need to say is the, the original Sabbath was a Saturday. So how is it that we now worship God on a Sunday. Well, Christians have traditionally understood that the principle underlying this day has been transferred to the first day of the week because of Christ's resurrection. The last uh, recorded instance of Jesus' followers observing the Sabbath was when they delayed going to the tomb to properly prepare his body for burial, Luke 23. Then they went home and prepared spices and uh, perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. And then the next morning, Easter morning, everything changed. As, uh, and Christians are, by and large, not mentioned observing the Sabbath again. Paul visits synagogues to preach and so on, but there's no indication that he had to do so. Christ's resurrection had brought in a, a new day, and Christ's followers meet on this new day, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And there are uh, many references then to Christians meeting on the first day of the week. So, so Christians on what we see on, in the basis of the New Testament have taken that Sabbath principle and applied it to the first day of the week because <clears throat> Jesus was effectively saying, the old Jewish Sabbath, the Saturday, was buried with me in the grave. Now I'm alive and there's a new day to rest and worship. This Sunday is the Lord's day. And this one day in seven pattern is there for our lives until we will be gathered together with the church in heaven. So that's, that's how it should look. Well, well, what do we do practically? That brings us to our last point. The Sabbath is a, a privilege as God's people. Or, or, or maybe we could say to our younger people, the Sabbath is a, a special treat as God's people, as those who follow Jesus. So what have we seen? God has given us a special day each week to draw near to Him and to rest. And it really is a privilege. You think of how it would have sounded whenever those first slaves heard it. They hadn't had a day off in 400 years. You think you're working for someone that's pretty tough, hadn't had a day off in 400 years. They had to make bricks without straw, all of those things. And now God says to them, you're going to get a day off every week. It's going to come every week. It's going to be a day for you to leave behind the, the thorns and the thistles. And it's a day to draw near to me. And, and it is a day to draw near to God because you think about worship. Remember whenever uh, God's people were, were 
uh, negotiating, or Moses, as it were, was negotiating with Pharaoh. Remember what he used to go to say to Pharaoh? Uh, God says to you, Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. See, their very worship was constrained by their slavery. And now God is saying, you're going to be able to draw near to me every week. We can draw near to God every day, but there's a special sense in which we're able to do it on the day that He has given us. Now, so let's think about how we use this practically. I, I know that whenever I was 17, I was just a new Christian, I, I was thinking, I need some rules here. I just need some rules. Tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And, and that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us two questions for us to, to ponder. And the first question is this, how am I using this day for rest and for worship? That, that's what it's about. How am I using this day for rest and for worship? And, and, and rest, as we've seen, doesn't just mean doing nothing. It means enjoying what we have achieved and enjoying what God has given us. And don't forget that, that the worship element of it means being with others, maybe enjoying others too. Now, some of us have to do work on a Sunday, and, and if you're in that position, then I suggest you ensure two things. Ensure you get to worship at some point. If you have to work half the day, then try to get to the evening service or the morning service, whatever way work, work around that works. Or if you can't do that, then, then do something. Perhaps the midweek is, is the time that you really want to try and get your, 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 your worship in in the week, because we're built for that, and we starve and shrivel whenever we're not in that position. Some of the early Christians met late in the evening because they were mostly slaves. It was the only time they could get away. And then the other thing is we, we, we learn that, that, that many of the, the patterns of our lives are instilled by us, by our families as we grow up. And so we've got to think about how we are shaping those who are coming behind us as we spend our day. How are we teaching our, our, our children and those around us that this is a day for rest and for worship. One of the things that's sometimes disturbing is, is whenever I hear of, of young people who, who are just finding that they are a, spending all of a Sunday afternoon doing homework for, for school. They've, they've, they've left it to the end, and they're doing that. And, and, and maybe we need to pay attention to the first bit of that commandment that says, in six days you shall do all your work. Not, uh, yeah, students, you know. Uh, and as parents, we've got, a, we've got a responsibility to help our, our, our young people do that. Now, keep in mind, therefore, that the, the, the purpose of, of rest and worship saves us from getting bogged down in rules. Rather than saying, do we, can we do that? Can we not do that? Say, is the way that we are going to use this Sunday, is it going to help us rest and worship? And don't forget, it's a day, not just a morning. So, the, the, the evening service is a great place to be. There are patterns in the Bible of, of God's people gathering both morning and evening to worship Him on the Sabbath. And I want to say that, that, that the evening service here in Hill Street is, is, is where so much work is being done. You are missing out if you're not here. Does our, our, our pattern then, as we're using this day for rest and worship, does it, does it show that God is Lord of my time? And does it show that I'm trusting God? Because we all know that we could do more, 
But whenever we stop for a day and we say, Lord, the thorns and the thistles will be here for us tomorrow. I'm not working today, but I know that you are. And therefore, the things that, that, that I am not going to give my attention to today, I'm trusting to you. And I want to know you better today. Some of the things I've come across as I've prepared for this this week have been really helpfully suggesting that we make our Sundays different. So, for example, if we have a very sedentary work week where we're sitting at a computer terminal all day, then a Sunday afternoon is a great time to get out into the creation that God has made. But if we are outside all the time, perhaps we want to spend some time reading or, or, or with others. If our week, for example, demands that we are in a formal clothes all the time, maybe then today is the day to dress more informally, to say, this is a day that's different for me. If we're in a boiler suit all week, well, maybe it's time to break out the chinos. I don't know, whatever it might be. But, but all the way through, we're, we're asking ourselves, God has given us this, this great privilege to rest and to worship. No thistles and thorns today. No, no, no pressure to, to, to be so hurried as, as we're, we're driving into our workplace. We can take time to, to focus on the Lord. How are we using this day? And then the second question that we can answer is not just how are we using this day for rest and for worship, is how are we using the Lord's day to prepare us for the week ahead? Very much in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was at the end of the week. It was the last day. But now in the New Testament, the day for rest and worship is the first day. And, and, the, and the idea is, you see, you, you, you walk into your week out of this position of rest and worship. You have, you have filled yourself up with rest and with the Lord, and now you walk into the world to serve the Lord with this fullness. It's a wonderfully positive picture that the Lord might fill us up today to live for Him in the week ahead through the thorns and thistles. And if you think about it, that was actually Adam's experience as well. The seventh day was at the end of God's creation, the working week, God's working week, but it was actually the first day of Adam's experience, the first full day of Adam's experience. And if you think about it too, it was the first day of his honeymoon. So the first thing that Adam experiences, the first full day, is to have a day to enjoy what God has made and to enjoy God with his wife. So, so, going out into this week from this position of fullness is, to some extent, an echo of Eden. So, Sabbath, picture of our futures, pattern for our lives, and a privilege for God's people. God has given us a special day to come close to Him and rest. And, and, and let's not think that we can know better than He does. Isn't it true that our society is, is trying to work 24-7, seven days a week? And what are we reaping? We're reaping a harvest of burnout and mental illness and ill health. Let's do what God says. Let's draw near to Him together and enjoy what He has given us.